is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hi everyone, my name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead, number 617, recorded on Monday, the 30th of January, 2023. Welcome, welcome one and all to the program. It is good to be here. Jason, hello to you. It's been a little little while since we've talked much. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. You had a birthday. That's nice. That's nice. I you did. turned 17 finally. It's, it's you, can, you can drive, but you can't drink. <laughs> No, that's right. It's nice to be 17. Uh, I'll, I'll get my license any day now and drive a <laughs> truck. <laughs> nice. Yeah, no, I had a birthday last week. Uh, you know, in fact, this podcast was supposed to come out last week, but, uh, you know, I got sick for a little while, which was a bummer because I was sick over the holidays. And then, you know, it was my birthday and I had other stuff going on. So we had to postpone a whole week, which I didn't like to do. But here we are on the 30th, second last day of January. Uh, me now officially being 48 damn years old and we're recording a podcast. So it's fun. Good times. Good times. Well, happy birthday. Thanks, man. Thanks. How's your week been? Anything new and exciting happen in your world? Not a goddamn thing, Chris. That's it, eh? Nothing? That's just the way I like it. Okay, yeah. I, Nothing's I, changed, and if anything does, I'll be mad at it. <laughs> How dare you change? <laughs> yes. How dare you? Well, I see you haven't cut your hair yet. That's okay. Nope. I'm getting. Uh, I'm growing an afro back. It's pretty sweet, man. I like it. It, it, it afros my hair. I've learned over the years that my hair will uh, will afro for a while and then dread all on its own. It will, eh? Yeah. I've uh, I've uh, I've had that happen to me in my twenties, but if I left it the way it is. Uh, with, uh, without proper maintenance, mm-hmm. it will dread. Nice. Well, I'd like to see that. You should do it. I definitely don't want that. <laughs> All right. Well, anyways, uh, one of these days you'll clean yourself up and get a real job and everything will be fine. Yeah. And I'll leave the house and everybody will look at me and go, well, who's that guy? <laughs> who's that guy? He doesn't, <laughs> I didn't know those other people sold their house <laughs> yeah. and moved away. All right. Well, I'm glad nothing has changed for you. Uh, you know, I've settled into the new year now and, uh, Sophie had her birthday. My daughter, I had my birthday. Yours is coming up in a bit. My wife is coming up in a bit. So it's busy. My wife's is coming up in a bit. That's true. They're all coming up there. Uh, yeah, your, your wife's on the 24th. Mine's on the 22nd, my wife, and I'm on the 26th. That's really fun. It's really wild. All right. Well, so what is it that we're going to do here on the podcast today? Um, Jason, I'm very excited. Yeah. We are going to talk a little bit about The Last of Us, season one, episode one. Yeah. Now I know there's three episodes out already. Uh, the third one just came out last night as we record this, but we're just going to kind of focus on the first one uh, because we're not a Last of Us podcast but no. I do think it's worth chatting about for a little bit. So we're going to sure. look at that season one, episode one of the last of us. Um, but before that, we also have some walking dead news. So it's not going to be completely devoid of walking dead content here as usual. Cool. Also, just before we get started and into that, I want to remind everyone about something I mentioned last time we recorded. And that is that Jason and I guested on the Can't Sell This podcast a couple of weeks ago. That is now out, 
and available for your listening pleasure. You can go to can'tsellthispodcast.com and listen to us talk with my old friend Hugh about The Walking Dead and podcasting and Jason's military history and stuff like that. It was a good time. It was. It was a very good, happy time. Yeah. So if you want to hear a little more of us, and uh, I don't know why you would, but there's apparently some people (laughs) out there that do, can'tsellthispodcast.com. Check us out over there. That was fun. All right. With that out of the way, let's get into The Walking Dead news, Jason. Sure. The Walking Dead news. All right. First item in The Walking Dead news is related to a Walking Dead video game. And that is that The Walking Dead Saints and Sinners, which is a video game set in The Walking Dead universe, is coming to PlayStation VR 2. (laughs) Now, I don't have a PlayStation, any any variety of PlayStation. I have never used the PlayStation VR, but I have fooled around with some other VR platforms a little bit, but never like a real serious game like this, and especially not a real serious sort of scary slash horror game. Right. So I don't have a lot of experience with this kind of thing, but I think there are people out there that might and might be interested in this. Now... The Walking Dead Saints and Sinners is a game that's been out for PlayStation for a little while, and maybe the VR on their first VR headset, I think. But this one is The Walking Dead Saints and Sinners Chapter 2 Retribution, and it's coming on March 23rd, 2023. That's cool. So if you're into that, uh, keep an eye out for it. Um, from bleedingcool.com, where I read the article about this, they said, this will be the full version of the game released so far, giving PS5 players a chance to experience all of the zombie action in the middle of New Orleans. Skydance is also giving players a chance to play a demo of The Walking Dead Saints and Sinners on the MetaQuest store. This free demo grants access to the first 30 minutes of play of the game and will be available from January 23rd to February 6th. So right in the middle of that right now, so I hope you didn't miss it, but that will be available if it's not past February 6th, and you can find out all of the information at vrwalkingdead.com. Do you have any interest in uh, VR video gaming, Jason? Um, hmm, No, not really. Apparently I had an interest because I looked into it, but not enough to actually buy any hardware, so... I guess it's not that big of an interest. Any interest in VR anything, not just video gaming, but like experiences and things like that? I'd work exclusively in VR if I could guarantee that I could uh, set up uh, monitors within the virtual uh, field of view. Like just have, you know, like set up like six monitors and have stuff like show up on those monitors. Uh Uh-huh. I would do that. I would just, I'd put my headset on in the morning and work in VR. Fuck actual physical monitors. Oh, I, see. I can't find, uh, I can't, I can't tell if that's possible or not. Right. So you're not sure. Yeah. If somebody provided that kind of, uh, technology, I would, uh, I would throw away my entire desk. So <laughs> just, <laughs> just work in VR. Replace your desk with VR. Okay. That sounds yeah. like a thing that I don't know, might be a possibility. I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, screw video games. I want to work. <laughs> That doesn't sound like you at all. (laughs) No, it doesn't sound like me, but I I do. Well, one of the monitors would be a video game, most likely. 
Yeah, of course. You'd have- I'd, wear a, <laughs> I'd wear a VR headset in order to play a 2D video game in a, on a virtual monitor within the virtual reality. And then you'd have a spreadsheet open over here and your development environment over here. And You're goddamn right. I, I love spreadsheets. A movie running down here. Right. Okay. Yeah, exactly. I mean, how many things can you do at once? Lots, apparently. Well, if the computer can support that kind of thing, I, you know, and the headset can support that kind of thing, I'd totally be into it. Yeah. All right, just not gaming. If I, well, there would be gaming involved, but if sure. I, if even if I had to get like uh, two or three graphics cards to support that kind of power, I would do it. You might do it, okay. But I don't think that technology exists quite yet. All right, well, maybe they're on their way uh, to satisfy the small market of people like you that have that need. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I've done a little bit of VR. I've only done games like Beat Saber and and uh, things like that. Um. I don't know. I'd, I'd give this a try, but I'm not going to run out and buy a PlayStation 5 and a PSVR just to make all this happen. Yeah. It seems like a big investment. Uh, that being said, there's other games that might be fun, so I don't know. But then again, I have so much trouble finding time to play video games as it is. I don't think spending uh, whatever, a 1000 or $2,000 or whatever all this is going to cost uh, just to do this is worth it for me. But if you're out there and you're totally into this and... You want to send in your thoughts on The Walking Dead Saints and Sinners Chapter 2 Retribution, <laughs> please do. Awesome. I, I'd love to hear about it. Okay, next up in the news is some speculation that the spinoff shows, all these spinoff shows that are coming in the Walking Dead universe, will actually cross over with each other. Hmm. Uh, I want to read this quick email here that came from Brandon in Northwest Indiana first, and Brandon writes, do you think we get one season of all these spinoffs and then we get a big crossover event season, whatever they would call it, to wrap up all these character stories? I think that would be the best option instead of doing multiple seasons of each show and milking it for every dollar. If they did do that, what would they call this crossover show? The Walking Dead Reunited? Uh, so that's a good question, Brandon. You know, will they just keep these shows going on and on and on, or will they give us a season of each and then some kind of culminating season where they all come together? I don't know. But uh, Jeffrey Dean Moore, Morgan and Lauren Cohan were interviewed by E! News, and they were asked about this kind of thing. You know, will they cross over? And JDM said, I think the door is open because we are all on the same timeline. I think there is the opportunity to bring a character from this show, character from that show, and then do something else that can all continue. And Lauren agreed, saying, there's hope of a collision between all the different shows. Collision. A, a show collision, exactly. So, I don't know, Brandon, maybe, maybe they'll cross them over. I doubt anything will be happening in the first season of all of these, and they'll probably want to do more. Uh, because as you said they'll be milking it for every dollar. They sure will. They'll, uh, they'll keep doing it until the, until the money runs out and then they'll stop doing it. And they'll probably do it for a little while after the money's run out and then eventually <laughs> stop. I don't know. It depends. <laughs> I'm not sure. It depends on contracts, right? Yeah. It might be, it depends on whether it's cheaper to cancel it right now or to let it go on until the contracts run out. Yeah, who knows? Who knows, really? But I like his idea, Brandon's, that if they if they did one to kind of set this up and then they they just brought it all together into one big uh, reunion show, The Walking Dead Reunited or whatever, I think that would be kind of fun. Bring it all back, you know? 
Well, two things. One, you'd call it walk, the Walking Dead convergence, uh-huh. is, is, is first of all. Second of all, or you could just call it the Walking Dead, because that's what we had before, yeah. right? Everybody was together on the same timeline on, on the same screen at the same time. Yeah. Uh, you know, why spin off into other shows if you're just going to reunite to do the same show again? It's, it's a good, well, they spin off to other shows to diversify it all. And then bring it all back together because it's a big feel-good moment, right? Everyone would be like, oh, hooray, everyone's all back together again and yeah. we're all watching the same thing. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that'll happen, but it's a nice thought. Okay, well, the next item in the news is, you know, I put it right after this one for reasons that will become obvious in a second. Robert Kirkman has filed a trademark for the name The Walking Dead Destinies. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> so speaking of what are they going to call this uh, big reunited show? How about the Walking Dead Destinies? That kind of works. Uh, yes and no. I mean, as we're probably looking at X-Men Origins type stuff where, right. uh, you know, the idea is that we're going to call us X-Men's Origins Wolverine. This is the first one in a long line of Origins <laughs> films that we'll be able to milk forever uh, and then not do it. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So this that's probably where this is going is uh you know you know what happens to all these people in the end. Mm-hmm. Uh you know and I don't know. It just it seems like uh he's got an idea that probably won't pan out and he well, had to legally lock it down. Well, it's it's likely something like that. There is no other information about what this is or could be uh, currently anyways. However, the only thing we do know is that it was filed in the video game slash software class of the trademark office. Oh, I see. So I don't think that doesn't, that means anything really, unless there is a secret, another secret Walking Dead video game that's in development called The Walking Dead Destinies. Uh, And if not, who knows? Maybe that title could be used for something else, or maybe it will be never used for anything at all. I don't know. Maybe it'd just be a blog post, uh, including spreadsheets. Of, uh, yeah. you know, where these people uh, go in the end. That's right. With numbers. Of course, of course. And a, a pivot table to uh, to give you uh, lots of information and then graph that shit. Oh, fancy stuff. Fancy yeah. stuff. Uh, but hey, if they're going to do a big uh, crossover show, why not call it The Walking Dead Destinies? I think it works. Yeah, it could. It could. Uh, all right. Well, thank you, Brandon, for sending that in. Moving right along here. Do you remember how... Uh, the Walking Dead season 11 just ended, Jason? Now that you remind me, yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, something that they do after a season of TV ends still, uh, you know, I had no idea they still do this, but they release them on home video. Oh, yeah. Like so, DVD or, you know, Blu-ray maybe? Blue, yeah, or yeah. VHS? Uh, probably not, but Blu-ray and DVD for sure. Mini disc? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Um, But the Blu-ray... And DVD for The Walking Dead Season 11 will be coming out on March 14th. Uh-huh. And it's weird. I read about this on comingsoon.net. And this quote comes directly from the article. And I don't know if this is a mistake or what, but it says, The full list of special features includes a deleted scene in episode one, or in episode 1110, 11.10, and a deleted scene from episode 11. Uh, 11, I think. Oh, God. <laughs> That's They're it. Phoning it in. Yeah, phoning it in. The full <laughs> list of special features, two deleted scenes. <laughs> yeah. And uh, some photo, a photograph of uh, the making of 
uh, one of the episodes. That's right. In fact, in fact, I, I stumbled when I read that uh, because um, there's a typo even in there's an additional typo in uh, uh, in in that in the, because <laughs> it says the full list of special features includes deleted scene episode eleven ten new haunts that's what it was uh -huh. called I guess and then deleted scene episode eleven ten rogue element so they have eleven ten both times right and there are only two things listed so I don't think there's anything accurate about that but let's just say there might be some deleted scenes, including <laughs> included on the home video release. Well, I'm going to rush right out on March 14th and uh, pick up my copy at uh, my local DVD store. Uh-huh. Where the fuck do you buy DVDs? Amazon, probably. Amazon? Yeah, you could get one there. Yeah. Walmart? They still still sell physical media? Well, probably, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. Um, apparently, the... Set will be fifty nine ninety nine on Blu-ray, oh, including it, including a digital. So there's a download accompanied with that, or forty nine ninety nine on DVD. Ouch. Yeah. Anyways, that's, that's a lot of money. I mean, it's, it's I, that doesn't sound like a lot more or less than the last time something I bought something on DVD, which to be honest was probably a Walking Dead season in the first couple of years. Yep. Uh, that was the last time I bought physical media. I've moved on from it a long time ago. Yeah. No, I just, I guess they have to charge that much because it's so bloody expensive yeah. to, to make the seven copies that they need to make to distribute worldwide. <laughs> yeah, that's right. For their projected sales. <laughs> it is. The less you make, the more cost per unit, really. Yeah. God. All right. Anyways, season 11, uh, Blu-ray and DVD, March 14th might have some special features. I don't know. Can you imagine, you know, you're sitting down, you're watching The Walking Dead, and then after like three episodes, you're like, ah, now I got to switch the DVDs. You get up and you go and you uh, eject the DVD that's in your DVD player, and then you fiddle with the box and you pull out the next one and you put it in and you, you close it up and then you have to sit through the, uh, the FBI copyright <laughs> warning uh, and then go into the menu and then select the episode that you want to watch next and then sit back down. Uh, and watch three more episodes. It just sounds so quaint. It sounds so 2003. <laughs> yeah, and it is. <laughs> it is. Uh, now, that being said, there are plenty of people out there, Jason, that continue to buy Blu-rays because most of the time it is the highest quality copy of that yes. thing you can get. It is, yeah. It's a higher quality that you can get on streaming for sure. Yeah, so if, you, if you're buying like a 4K super duper dvd because you have a fancy 4k tv like many people these days and you want the best picture quality you got to buy the blu-ray but eh, that's just not me i mean i've i've moved on and i have everything digital now if i'm going to buy yeah. something all my stuff yeah all mine is digital as well i yeah. just I, I wouldn't have any place to store it uh a blu-ray i have a couple of blu-rays don't, don't get me wrong i have a blu-ray player I, yeah, I have an Xbox one, that plays Blu-rays. I never actually bought a standalone Blu-ray player. I bought a Blu-ray player when I lived in the apartment before we bought this house, and I think we moved into this house and never plugged in the Blu-ray player, and that was 2011. Yeah, see? So I still have a Blu-ray player. I have three Blu-rays. The Sound of Music, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, uh huh, and something else. <laughs> Are they still shrink-wrapped? 
No, oh, we've okay. watched all of them. Oh, nice. And uh, it might be Master and Commander, uh, the one with Russell Crowe where he's a sailor. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it might be that. But they're in a closet over there on the bottom shelf. I still know exactly where they are. They're sitting on the bottom shelf over there because I don't know what, what else to do with them. But I have three Blu-rays. Oh, well, that's, that's good for all you. All my own. Good. Someday you'll plug in your Blu-ray player and... Or sell it at a garage sale as a package deal. I couldn't tell you where it is. That the Blu-ray player is probably like it, it is at the bottom of the uh, closet that is the pile of crap that I have no use for anymore. Got it. Okay. Well, at least you know where the discs are. Yeah, the discs I got a handle on. All right. Perfect. Well, get on that if you want to buy that March fourteenth. Next item. Scott Gimple, Jason, provides a bit of an update on Tales of the Walking Dead. Oh, yeah. Because that show hasn't had an announcement of a second season or really any news in a while. And this comes from an interview that he did with Collider. They asked him about what's the deal, what's up with Tales. And he said, oh, yeah, I hope we do. We're focusing on these classic characters this year. The thing with Tales, it didn't end on a cliffhanger where you got to get back to that. It's an anthology show. So I'm hoping that we can get back to it, but it's probably going to be catch-all as catch-can as far as within all the other shows. This year, though, is about focusing on these classic character shows, but also we're still wrapping up Fear the Walking Dead. And then there are other projects that have been on the burner as well. We're getting the next phase ready. <laughs> right. So acknowledge and pivot. <laughs> I mean, it's a very standard way of answering the question. Uh-huh. Uh, non-committal answer and then pivot to what you want to talk about. Totally. So, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's the thing about this show is that it's a pile of, uh, loose garbage that we've left on the floor and, uh, we can pick up that loose garbage and make some more loose garbage, uh, when we feel like it. A- anytime. And that could be right away or 10 years from now. It could be 10 years from now. There's no mm-hmm. downside to not doing it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so he says he wants to do some more tales. But right now they're not worrying about it. They're focusing on these other shows. And right. there you go. So I got I have a feeling that Tales will come back, but it won't be for a long time. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. I don't know. I wonder if the, uh, you know, how every episode of Tales of the Walking Dead had a, a featured uh, actor or actress. Right, so they had the yep. featured players in them. Yep. Uh, my my thought right now is that the featured players that are going to be in the next season of Tales of the Walking Dead uh, aren't born yet. Like they're going to or are young enough that they haven't started their acting careers quite yet. I see. And that wow. uh, in ten fifteen years, those actors when they do become household names will then be in the next season of of uh, Tales of the Walking Dead. That's what they're waiting for, I guess. Yeah. So they're waiting for the next generation of featured players. Interesting. Okay. I don't know. We will see. No plans as of now, though. It might be solely dependent on, uh, you know, uh, some of the featured players on SNL, right? <laughs> it might just be a, the next time we do a Fear of the, or Fear, I keep thinking of Fear. The next time we do Tales of the Walking Dead, it's going to be uh, strictly uh, SNL. Uh, players. Why? Why not? Well, because they were called featured players and I thought, oh. and I used the term featured players. So in my mind, I connected the two sure. and, and therefore, uh, definitively, uh, married the two forever and ever. Oh man. Okay. Very good. I wasn't able to follow that, but I'm glad you explained. <laughs> uh, anyways, that's it for tales. One more news item here. 
This I find to be kind of the weirdest of all the news items this week, Jason. And it is that Robert Kirkman has announced that he is raising or trying to raise $75 million via what's called an IPO alternative. So you know what an uh, IPO yeah. is? An initial uh, public yeah. offering? Yeah, I do, yeah. And that's a way of, you know, your, your company goes public, people buy in with shares and they're, you know, shareholders in the company and they get dividends and things like that. And yep. there you go. Well, this is an IPO alternative. This all comes from fastcompany.com, but it was uh, reported on all over the place. So Skybound Entertainment is Robert Kirkman's company. And instead of an IPO, he is crowdsourcing what I will say as quote unquote investment from fans on a platform called Republic. He's hoping to raise $75 million by August 14th, 2023. That's when the whole thing closes. Uh, what I don't know why that date specifically, but it's August 14th. And it just seems like a really weird way to like offer investment opportunities in his company without actually going public. Yep. Here's, here's a, some information from the article on Fast Company. Investors receive an investment contract Republic calls a crowd safe, giving them a financial interest in the company that doesn't make them eligible for dividends or, uh -huh. or other benefits a public company might offer. But should Skybound be acquired, go public, or sell all of its assets, then investors could see a return on what they put into the brand. Good. It goes on. This investment involves a high dis a degree of risk, reads the subscription agreement. The investment is suitable only for persons that can bear the economic risk, risk for an indefinite period of time and that can afford to lose their entire investment. Furthermore, investors must understand that their investment is illiquid and is exposed or sorry, is, is expected to continue to be illiquid for an indefinite period of time. No public public market exists for the units and no public market is expected to develop following the offering. So I hesitate to even call this investment. <laughs> I fucking love this. I think that the only way, uh, first of all, I want to give, I want to give them my money. I want to, I definitely want to uh, put my money into this because I can't think of any other, uh, a better way to throw it away. The only way uh, this could be better is if uh, those contracts that he mentions are on the blockchain or he's selling NFTs. Cause so if he's selling NFTs, I'm in, I'm like, I'm all in because NFTs are the fucking balls and they're the best thing ever. And you're not wasting your money on NFTs in any way, shape or form. Please do not take that as a, any kind of advice. You don't mean that. I don't mean that. Or if it was, uh, you know, if you're offering, uh, <laughs> illiquid, uh, ability to, to take, turn your money illiquid into something that may or may not ever return, uh, on anything, uh, I would trust that more if it was a if the contracts were on the blockchain somehow. If he if he kind of released his own uh, cryptocurrency, I think uh, I think Kirkman Coin would be cool. <laughs> Coinman, Kirk Coin, Kirk, Kirk Coinman, or <laughs> yeah. the the walking cryptocurrency. Yeah, uh, something. Uh, this is a fucking scam. Like it's got to be a scam, right? 
Well, I mean, it's it's Kirkman, so he's lying. We know that right away. Right. Right. Like we know that going in that at the very least he's lying about something. So uh, maybe he's just like uh, his financial advisor came to him and said, "Dude, you haven't played taxes in quite some time. We need to fucking come up with some cash, like quick. <laughs> How do we do that?" It's like fucking NFTs, man. Offer NFTs. No, we can't do that. That's in the that's in the news. People are uh, in cryptocurrencies. We can't we can't do that. Those are in the news. People will not trust any of that shit. It's like, well, let's offer them something that is not an IPO. It is an IPO alternative. Oh, that's so good. Alternative people love alternative music, and they love to be alternative. This is fantastic. <laughs> we'll have an IPO alternative. Uh-huh. And we'll use terms like illiquid to make sure that they know that they're not getting anything. Yeah. I didn't know personally that illiquid was a word till now. Yeah. Well, uh, just in case you were wondering, the definitions of illiquid are that it's an adjective. And the first definition is not really converted into cash. Yeah. The second one is lacking cash or liquid assets. And the third one is lacking liquidity. So okay. it just means not money. Well, I know that, but because uh, <laughs> that's all, uh, you know, from context, it's, uh, you know, there's not money. Like yeah. you're giving us money, but when you give us the money, it's no longer money. Like it's, it's not money and you don't expect to get money back. The only people that should possibly give me money are people that are willing to give away their money for nothing. Yep. That's Cause right. This, because we're specifically and contractually and legally offering you nothing and we're going to put that right up front you don't get anything for this you don't you're not eligible for dividends you're not eligible for anything you get nothing your money is illiquid which when you say illiquid does that mean solid or gas like <laughs> it just means I, not liquid yeah plasma yeah, is know. it plasma because uh, it's just not liquid so it's got to you know if it's worse than liquid it's got to be solid your money's solid Right in the worst no, possible it, way, I guess it's a gas. I suppose it's like, well, yeah. what are you gonna do? Are you gonna are you gonna bottle it? You can't bottle it. Where are you gonna get it? It's not really a thing. No, I think the idea is you've just farted away all your money, basically. Yeah. I here's the deal. Like I, I, I wish they wouldn't call this investment. You're not investing in Skybound. Did they use that word? Oh, uh, yeah. I put investment in quotes. <laughs> <laughs> So, no, but in, in their press release and anything that they've said, they don't use the word investment. That's your word, right? Well, I don't know. It was in the article on Fast Company. Like what I read, investors, they call them investors, receive an investment contract. So, on the blockchain, yeah. Well, I don't know. And and I don't I don't know what crowd safe means. And safe is in all uppercase letters too. So I don't know. But it just sounds to me it's like you want to you wanna give some money to Skybound so that we can continue to make cool stuff, then do it. But like, why fucking trick people into thinking they're owning a part of the company? Cause it doesn't sound like you are, even though it says if Skybound is acquired or sells assets or whatever's, then invest investors could see a return on what they put into the brand. <laughs> they're not even guaranteeing that. They're not even guaranteeing that. And like, it's, a return. Does that mean they get all their money back? Do they get bought out for what they put in or do they get 10% back? Like what's, it, I have no idea. I haven't read the investment contract because I'm certainly not interested in doing something like this. As much as I love Skybound and Kirkman and The Walking Dead and everything he does, this just feels like something like you said. It's like, oh my God, we owe a lot of money in taxes. How are we going to raise money <laughs> to, to pay him off? You know? Well, we, let's start a Ponzi scheme. 
Yeah. You know, but don't offer any returns because Ponzi schemes actually offer returns. Like we're going to give you a big return on your investment. Uh, you know, you give me money and we'll give you a lot more money back, like a higher than normal money amount of money back. Right. And when people go, I want my money back, they go, wow, we got better go steal from that guy in order to give that other guy his money back. Yeah. So, okay. So is there a minimum amount you can invest? Because I really want to be a part of this. Uh, I don't know if there's a minimum, but listen, before, <laughs> there are some perks that you can receive for uh-huh. certain investment amounts. Now, he's trying to raise $75 million, Jason. That's an awfully large number for a crowdsourcing project. Well, let me, if I give them money, do you think that I can use whatever I get, the contracts that, that I get, and, and can I sell those contracts to other people so that they can sell to other people and then uh, we, can, we can all make money sort of in a pyramid-type structure? <laughs> like, is that possible? Uh, maybe. I don't know. Because I'd like to get know. in on the ground floor of that kind of shit. Would you? Yeah. I, what are the perks? Is there a pink Cadillac involved in the, uh, in the perks? No, that's that, uh, that other company. Um, the, the perks, like, listen, the perks here make me think this might actually be a joke. <laughs> okay. okay. Um, you know how, uh, well, we don't use Patreon very well, but some people offer perks and like benefits if you, you know, join a Patreon at a certain amount. Yeah. That's like, a, you know, if you join at a dollar, you get this. Five dollars, ten dollars, yeah. whatever, you get this. You get exclusive episodes, whatever. episodes early, what have you. Right. That's not a joke. And, and it's very reasonable amounts of money for, uh, for those yeah. sorts of things. Jason, a $5,000 investment into Skybound. You will receive a Skybound beer stein. Oh my. Yeah. Isn't that nice? You can drink your beer out of a nice glass Skybound branded beer stein. For oh, a eh? $100,000 investment. Oh, they got to be. This is a joke. You it's got to be a joke. You can get a tour of the Skybound headquarters, the offices, wherever they Virtually, are. Virtually, probably. Yeah, probably. It can be on one of those iPads that are on fucking Segways, and you can uh, <laughs> you get control of it to drive around with your picture on it. Okay, that'd be fun. <laughs> I want you to tell me how much you think you have to invest to receive or to have the opportunity to attend a red carpet event for a future Skybound film or television premiere. Uh, an unnamed potential well, I red mean, carpet they, event for something that may or may not happen in the future. They, they don't know what, it, when, what or when, right? They don't know what they're doing yet so uh-huh. a red carpet event for a future skybound film or television release what do you think you got to invest knowing those other two values i already threw out there thirty dollars that's not close three hundred and eighty seven thousand dollars we went from 5k to 100k to 2 million for the red carpet event whoa so <laughs> it's it's just do you have to do you have to you have to drive your own car there? Like for $2 million, are they going to come get you at your hotel? I mean, they're going to fly you in. Yeah. Uh, it's a red carpet event. Does that mean you get to be on the red carpet or you just get to attend the event without actually going on their red carpet? Yeah. I mean, these are details that would be worked out at some point, I'm sure. See, this is why I want to give them money because I want to see this contract. Okay. Well, maybe you can go to the platform. Maybe you can read all about it before you actually. 
I mean, you must be able to before you fork over the cash, but. That's ridiculous. Don't read anything before you fork over cash. Oh, to, just pay and read to, later. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why I want an NFT because uh-huh. uh, I don't have to understand what's going on. I just have to give the money knowing that this is not fungible, right? Good. You cannot change this for something else. It is non-fungible. Right. Uh, which is a fantastic word that uh, apparently is a time traveling word because I didn't know what fungible meant until NFTs came along. No. Then all of a sudden I'm watching old television shows like fucking, uh, what's the name of that show? Uh, Boston Legal. Okay. From like 2002 or something with uh, Captain Kirk in it. In the pilot episode of Boston Legal back in 2001 or 2002 or whenever it first came out, they used the word fungible. He said it to Denny Crane. He said, you are not fungible. I mean, I got to admit, I thought they made the word up for NFTs. I'd never heard it before. Yeah, which is why I started hearing it from the shows in the past. Okay. It's a time-traveling word. I guess so. It's weird. That is weird. Anyhow. I don't don't know if this is a joke, but it sure is funny. Yeah, you said that. You said that. (laughs) You can say that again. (laughs) Uh, Anyways, it it is what it is. If you want to go find it, you know, go to the platform. It's called Republic. I didn't even go to the thing. I just read the Fast Company article on it. And they, you know, express some skepticism into all this uh, based on some experts, as do I. And who knows? And this is the kind of thing a YouTuber would come out with and trying to sell you uh, on buying his uh, course on how to make a lot of money uh, without doing any work whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Like this, this is like low level fucking internet YouTube scammer type shit. This is, this is not something that a, uh, a reputable actual registered company would put out. Well, in all seriousness, I mean, I hope this doesn't mean that Skybound and Kirkman are in big trouble and they're they're circling the drain when it comes to the, the, the financial aspect of the business. And this is what they're trying to do to save themselves because I want them to stick around. I want him to be able to make new things, comics, TV, movies, whatever. Um, Sorry, can you go back to the why they're doing this? Uh, I don't does know. They, if, does I, they say why? No. <laughs> Because you don't invest in companies to keep them afloat. You invest in companies to help them expand, right? Well, then maybe that's the idea, you know? Maybe that is the idea. Um, If they're saying we need to, if they're saying anything that could possibly be interpreted as help us out, we need to, uh, we need to shore up our financial uh, backbone, uh, then then they're fucked. Like the whole thing's going to come crashing down because this is a Hail Mary this bullshit. Nobody's going to do this. Yeah. Well, somebody's doing it. They've, they've already raised a certain amount, uh, before like this went up in December or maybe late, uh, late November. And I think there's already a bunch of money put into it. No, before it was even, before it was even in the news really. So I don't know. Are they doing robo calls? Is that what they're doing? (laughs) I don't know. How are they doing this? Yeah. (laughs) That's a good question. I don't know. Anyways, uh, we'll see where this goes. I am very curious to check in on it as August 14th approaches and just see what happens, see where they're at. (sighs) Maybe somebody went to Kirkman and said, uh, hey, I got a really good idea on how to take a giant dump on our uh, reputation. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, I don't know. This is bad. This is bad. It seems pretty bad. It's fucking, it's sketchy from the get-go. Yeah. So. Well, we'll do an update on that as the uh, year pans out, but that's all I know for now. Yeah. And that is all we have for The Walking Dead news. So, um, Jason, it is time yeah. to talk about The Last of Us, season one, episode numero uno. Um, this show is created and show run by Craig Mazin. I don't know if you know that. Uh, I nope. don't know if you know who that is. Nope. But you will be excited to find out that this is the same dude that made Chernobyl. Oh, I do like that. Okay. Uh, I, 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 I heard that somewhere. But uh, yeah. Yeah. Chernobyl is amazing. I think it you is. and I both loved, 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 loved that show. A really good show. And I didn't really know going in that he was involved in The Last of Us, but I found out when I started looking up who was in the creator and the showrunner of this, and that got me very excited. Yeah. So that's a good sign, I would say. And of course, as everybody knows, The Last of Us is based on a very, very popular PlayStation video game that came out, I think, 10 years ago at this point, the first time. It's been re-released a couple of times since then for deluxe editions and whatever, uh, and there was a sequel and so on. But the original Last of Us, I think, was 2013. Now, the first thing I have to do is ask you if you have any experience with the game, know anything about it, or you know, what, when it comes to the video game that preceded this TV show? I knew that the video game existed, but I know right. nothing about the video game, never owned a PlayStation. Uh, if anything was ever exclusive to PlayStation, I did not play it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I, I know Jack and shit about this, uh, any of the plot or information about this. Yeah. So no story, nothing like that. You'd heard nothing. about it. That was it. There's lots of people out there who, sat down and watched like playthroughs or cutscenes on YouTube of this whole thing because they'd heard the story was so fantastic that you should oh, go yeah. and check it out. You never even did any of that, eh? No, but that's a good idea because I, I, you know, uh, one thing, we'll get into this a little bit more, but one thing that this, uh, the, the pilot show uh, makes me want to do is play the video game. Okay. Like, it sounds uh, like it might be interesting and we'll get into uh, why in a little bit, but... Uh, if I could figure out a way to play this video game without uh, getting a PlayStation, because I'm not doing that. Mm-hmm. Well, although PlayStation 2013, I was like, well, PlayStation 2, did you say? I, I think it was released on PlayStation 2 at the you original. You probably get yeah. that for pretty goddamn cheap. So maybe I might do that, right? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I want to play the video game. I, I think it would be interesting to see what that was like. But watching, I know YouTube has lots of... Uh, Playthroughs. I've watched entire playthroughs of video games on YouTube. It's just like, ah, fucking four hours? Don't give it to me. Yeah. Well, that's why I asked. It's the kind of thing I could see you doing. And this was such, um, I don't know, just such a well-known or a highly regarded one that I thought maybe you would have jumped into it. Now, I want to ask you why the show makes you want to play the video game. But first, uh, I... Don't know if everybody knows, but I did play the video game. You did? Uh, I did, yeah. Uh, I had been having people tell me for years after 2013 when it came out, you got to play this game. It's so good. You got to play it. Do whatever. Go buy a PlayStation to play this sucker. And I hesitated because like you, I didn't want to buy a PlayStation. I already had a game console in the house and I didn't need another one. But eventually I, 
I borrowed a PlayStation from a friend of mine and I bought the game specifically to play it. I put it in, I played through it, and then I gave him back his PlayStation and gave him the game sort of as a thank you. So um, this was probably five or six years ago. So about halfway ago, long after the release, but still now a long time ago. And I got to say, I did like it. I thought it was very good. But because it was five or six years ago, at this point, I remember some key elements from the story. I know I really liked it, but I don't remember all the details. And I never went and watched one of those playthroughs or cutscene, you know, YouTube videos or anything like that. So I experienced it the one time, moved on. And now here we are with the TV version of the, of the game. All right. PlayStation 2 on eBay for like 50 bucks. Okay, so you might have an option there. <laughs> well, I mean, they vary. I mean, if there's depending on the amount of games it comes with, right? Uh, but yeah, for just the PlayStation itself, you can get it for fifty bucks. All right, apparently. cool. Well, tell me if you tell me what you thought of this this episode of this TV show, Jason, and tell me why you did you want to play the video game. There, that's a lot to unpack, but uh, we'll start with this. Uh, I liked this show. I am going to continue watching this show. I thought it was uh, it was well put together. I thought the sets themselves were fan fucking tastic. Mm -hmm. Thought the uh, and the cinematics were very video game like. Yep. And I think that's probably what uh, brought me into hey, I want to play this video game because it looked like a lot of weird uh, uh, cutscenes or uh, what do you call those things where you have to mash your buttons at the right time in order for the right event to happen. Well, uh, I don't know. They're, they're interactive like story element type things, but yeah, uh, I'm trying to think of what that is called. I had them, uh, anyway. Uh, so there was a lot of scenes like that, like they're driving the truck and then all of a sudden, Oh my God, this thing stopped us. We can't go that way. We had to turn this way. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then their truck crashes and they finally get out and then a police car rams into them and they're all, oh, we're separated now. We meet you by the river. Yeah. Okay. Now we can't go that way. So we have to go this way. And, uh, it was very video game-esque, mm -hmm. at least the opening, uh, you know, the, the, the opening part yeah. of it. The yeah. first uh, prequel, 2003, it was set in 2003, which I thought was fantastic. I want to come back to 2003 for a second because there was a lot there as well. Okay. But uh, the fact that it was structured like a video game uh, uh, made me want to play it. Yeah, that, uh, I, that makes sense. The whole thing, even even after the original uh, action scene uh, where they get into Boston and it's just uh, him doing stuff in Boston, like it's just, okay, so it's a changeover. You don't know what's going on. You're playing the same character. He's doing stuff. You don't know why they're doing it, why he's doing it. And then it starts to unpack uh, what's going on and why he needs to do what he's, uh, what he's already doing. And then give him a new quest, quest because yep. uh, you know he's got one plan for a quest, but all of a sudden he's been got this other quest thrust upon him. Uh, but the reason he accepts the quest is because of his daughter. That uh, we're spoiling. Yeah, yeah, we we can. Okay, his daughter that dies in the in the, uh, is basically there's someone that is uh, an analog for his his daughter. Yeah. So he definitely, uh, you know, he that's the in that he has. He has that uh, parental instinct that he wants to do better this time. And now mm -hmm. he has the skills and the experience and the meanness in order to uh, uh, to do what he needs to do. It just there was a lot here that was very entertaining, and I thought that it would translate well 
to a video game that I think I would want to play. All right. It's an interesting uh, reversal for you. Having never seen or played the game, you see this show and you're like, I think this would make a really good video game. Let's, I should try that out. Uh, whereas yeah. everybody else in the world is like, boy, the story and that and that in that video game and everything about that game would make a really good TV show. And quick time events. Yeah. Oh, quick time events. There you yeah, go. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, I wrote it down. It's like, okay, there was lots of quick time events. Like, oh my God, you better yeah. press the button before the, the thing happens so that <laughs> the thing doesn't happen. Right. Well, uh, I agree with you. The opening, and it's not technically the opening of this this episode, this show, because it actually opens with that 1968 talk show scene. Yes. Uh, which I want to say I loved. I thought that was a really, really great way to communicate the idea of a fungal infection and just set up the basic premise for the show. Yeah. There's just oh, shit. I hope that shit's not true. Like, fuck, that's scary. Well, I don't know. For, I don't know about that, but like, what a great scene to just have a few people sitting around a table on a show, smart people no threat, like it's not already happening. Nobody has to figure it out. This doctor just knows and he tells you, this is how the infection works and this is why it's dangerous. Yeah. And I just found that part absolutely chilling because it sounds really real. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that one doctor kind of describes how bad it would be. So I thought that was an amazing opening to this whole episode or this whole, yeah, whole episode TV show. And it's something that, the Walking Dead never did, you know, no. they were, Kirkman was always steadfast in that I, he doesn't want to reveal how this started, why it started, or really how it works other than everybody has it, you die, you come back no matter what. That's the one basic rule of The Walking Dead, but he doesn't get into the details like they do at the beginning of this. And, uh, I think they did it so well on The Last of Us that, uh, I was very happy. And it was even the uh, the 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 uh, the talk show guest that was the opposing side of that, right? Where he said, uh, you know, uh, yes, those funguses, you know, they do things, but they won't ever infect humans because they can't do that at high temperatures. Right. And then it's like, well, that just leads into the yeah, but what happens if the tem <laughs> average temperature of the Earth rises a little bit? Yeah. And they have a reason to evolve. Yeah. Like, oh fuck. <laughs> exactly. That's what. That's why. It's one of the reasons it's so. It was, it was pretty just so good. scary. It was so yeah. good. Um, because here we are. Here we are. The earth's temperature is uh going up. And I tell you, I'm not taking LSD anymore. Like that's <laughs> it. I'm done, done with LSD. Yeah, that's right. But I fucking love mushrooms. I don't know what it is. I just I love me a good goddamn mushroom. So uh Okay. <laughs> uh, you know, I'll take my chances, I they guess. It might be in your brain before you know it. Yeah. Um but after that. You know, we're in the 2003 section, which is really the first act of this show. And it shows the initial outbreak from the perspective of this one family. It's Joel, his brother, Tommy, and Joel's daughter, Sarah. And, um, you know, what we get is I thought just enough of their kind of day in the life kind of stuff. You know, they get up, they're going to work. He's talking about his, uh construction job and then Sarah goes to school she's visiting the elderly neighbor she stops at the watch store to get her dad's watch fixed for his birthday like it's just kind of enough of like normal shit to to make you feel like you have know these characters just a little bit 
right? And and it was from Sarah's perspective. Yeah. That's the thing is that they really kind of brought that home. It's like, oh shit, is this Sarah's story? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we didn't we didn't follow uh, Pedro Pascal to work. Nope. Uh, and he, is he allowed to be in two shows at the same time? Is that a thing? I didn't know about that you were allowed to be in two television shows at the same well, time. Well, listen, don't forget, he's barely in The Mandalorian. <laughs> he does the voice. <laughs> he doesn't have to leave his house to do that. <laughs> Still, yeah, I okay. didn't know you were okay. Just the, this first time, I don't know of any other uh, actor that does two active television shows at the same time. Well, look at him. He's a special case. He's a special case. So, uh, so we have, you know, uh, so we have, it's from Sarah's perspective, which I thought was really well done. Yeah. Uh, especially on how that uh, all plays out. I thought that was really good. And you know, September of uh, 2003, I remember September of 2003. Of course you do. Like, uh, this was, uh, you know, I was thinking about this. Do you remember that time that you and I uh, went to the drive-in and we sat down in, you sat in your car and watched uh, Legally Blonde 2? What was, yes. What was the second movie? It was a double header. <laughs> that was the, that was the second movie. The first oh. movie, I forget what it was, but, uh, the second movie was, uh, Legally Blonde 2. That was in 2003. Right. Like, uh, <laughs> so. Do we, I mean, I know who I was there with. Do you know who you were there with? <laughs> yeah, other than me? <laughs> no, you and I watched it in the, together in your car. Oh, cause the girls were in a different car. Yeah. They wanted to go watch, they wanted to watch it together in, right. uh, cause I was there with, uh, with someone. <laughs> you were there with your wife. That's right. Uh, and a friend of theirs and they, the girls wanted to watch it legally blonde too in the car, just themselves. So you and I were shunted off to your car uh-huh. to watch legally blonde too, uh, in and amongst the, um, lots and lots of mosquitoes. Yeah. I recall that. Okay. I remember that. was that. 2003. That was? Right? Okay. Good. Yeah. So that, <laughs> yeah, so that came out in 2000, that was July of 2003. So I remember 2003. It's one of those years that just kind of sticks in my head. Mm-hmm. It's when I, it's also later that year, November of 2003 was when I far, first started dating my wife. Okay. So that's another reason why that, uh, that year sticks in my head. All right. So it was, it was near the middle of November that, uh, we first started dating. So, uh, there was, you know, pagers were a big thing, big, massive cell phones. Like he p- pulled this cell phone out of his, uh, uh, out of his pocket, Pedro Pascal, because he didn't have his watch because it was broken at the time. Uh-huh. So he pulled his massive fucking cell phone out of his pocket in order sure. to tell the time. And, and cell phones at the time, uh, you know, it was this big Motorola thing that he had, and it had this leather case on it. It's like these things were un fucking destructible, indestructible, <laughs> right? And you felt the need to put a leather case, uh, put a case on it to protect it. And <laughs> Jesus Christ, you could friggin'. Uh, you can chop broccoli with that goddamn thing and throw it in a blender with the broccoli and have it all chopped up. It would come out. It'd be scratched a bit, but your phone would be fine. And yet we felt the need to put uh, these huge cases on them. Anyway, so you're saying they nailed the time frame pretty well. Absolutely. I think it's one of those things where I think we have enough perspective from the early 2000s to be able to make a a that early 2000s uh, television show. Sure. Yeah, yeah. And it feels like it wasn't that long ago. Um, and there was a DVD there. It's like she borrowed a DVD from her neighbors. That's right. That's very true. Good times. So, I mean, I was saying you get enough of this day in the life kind of stuff. And then, of course, all hell breaks loose. Uh, the the um, the people are starting to become infected with this thing. Nobody knows what's going on. It's chaos. They have to flee in their car. And 
the camera is inside the car, sort of in the back seat, looking out the front for a lot of it. There's bits where it's following the car. Yep. There's chaos. People are all over the place. A freaking plane crashes behind them. Like the world is on fire. People are pouring out of a movie theater. Yes. Right. So, which I think is a funny thing to do in apocalypse movies or at viral movies where they, uh, they always have some kind of nod to a movie theater. Like you remember that movie Outbreak? Yeah. Uh, with, uh, Dustin Hoffman and, uh. Well, I don't know. Uh, yeah. Those, I, I remember the movie. Did we see so that together I, too? No, oh. but I saw that in uh, the Uptown Theater. I was, uh, watching it in the theater and it was like, it was about the outbreak of this, uh, virus, uh, in this small town. And there was one shot where you know, Dustin Hoffman uh, kind of looks just past the camera and says, apparently they caught it at a movie theater. And I'm <laughs> like, we're all sitting in a movie theater, right? So. It's one of those nods. So I saw all these people, these uh, mushroom zombies flying out of this uh, theater, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. But this is not a, this is a TV show, so should they be pouring out of a television repair shop? No, nah, movie theater works just as well, I think. Yeah, all right. Uh, but I thought it was all really, really well done. And that brings me around to you wanting to play the video game version of this because I thought they did a fantastic job of adapting the video game uh, part of, well, the part from the video game to this part of the TV show. Because so is that in the video game, that part? Yes. So the whole first act of this show is directly lifted from the opening of the video game. You play this scene, more or less, like there's differences, of course, but you play this scene to the point uh, where Sarah dies in the video game, and then you flash forward 20 years, and then the real game starts. Right. So... This is one of the things that, uh, you know, I played it five or six years after it came out, right? I had people telling me, you have to play this. It's incredible. The story's amazing and so on and so on. And at the time I played it, you, you play through this and no matter what you do in the game, Jason, you can't save her. Okay. So the game is marketed as you're this older guy you're with this young girl. That's the dynamic. You, the two of you survive through this fungus apocalypse. But then you play the opening of the video game and you're playing with the girl and she dies. And you're like, oh my God, I can't believe they did that. What are they going to do next? I didn't see that coming in a million years. And honestly, it was 10 years ago. So it was earlier on. They hadn't done this kind of thing as much, right? This kind of thing happens a little more frequently now. But I think it was so surprising and so shocking to people. I think it increased their sort of um it, it it made them open to declaring this this as a like a masterpiece at the time the yep. video game i'm talking about and i won't deny that at all but like i was a little more ready for it when i played the game but anyways all that is to say that you do play through this scene in the game the game was great the opening scene in the tv show is great and if you don't know that's coming that death at the end of it it could be pretty surprising and shocking to you. It was pretty surprising and shocking. Like I wasn't, uh, and I think mainly for me, it was because of the, uh, the uh, you know, everything from up until that point was from her perspective. Right. Right. So that, uh, I thought that was really, really well done. And are you telling me, mm-hmm. Christopher, yes. you're telling me that somebody took a video game and adapted it to the screen and didn't fuck it up like super huge. I'm. That's what I'm telling you. Yeah. In fact, maybe even made it better. That's unheard of. 
it almost everybody is. fucks up video games when adapting it to the screen. Yeah. Well, look here. A, I heard that there was a Halo television show, and it's complete goddamn garbage. Uh, there is a Halo TV show. It didn't seem to get very much press, but it's out there. I don't know. I might know one person that's watched it. Um, I think one of the first things they do is to take the Master Chief and take off his fucking helmet so well, he can act. I'm like, have you met the Master Chief? What the hell's the matter with you? Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if I'll ever get around to watching that, but it, it's, out, it's out there and I've heard the same thing. Not great. I don't know if he's the Master Chief, but he is, you know, a, uh, <laughs> he's he's a, a dude Chief. in a, uh, and he's in the Mullinier armor. I don't know if he's like the John guy from, uh, from Halo. Cause I read the novels. Of, of course you did. <laughs> but, uh, I think that for one of the things they do, the first things they do is take his helmet off. I'm like, yeah, that no, 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 no. Uh, yeah, that's, that's not what you do. Is that what you call his armor? It sounds yeah, like, it's, uh, uh, it's the Thor's hammer. Uh, yeah, that's the name of the armor. It's Molinier armor. It's oh, named yeah. after Thor's hammer. Yeah, you're right. Okay. I, I was confused. I know my Halo. <laughs> I've been a while since I've played any Halo. So. Here we are. We're at this point. We go through this amazing opening scene, and then we flash forward 20 years later, and we're in this... Uh, Boston? Yeah, we're in Boston in this community. and Walled it, city kind of thing. Fedra. It's the federal... Oh, my God, I don't know. <laughs> F-E-D-R-A. It does stand for something. Federal Response Agency or something like that. Um, and Joel's living there, and... From here is where they sort of do the world building. You know, you learn about what life is like now. You learn about this uh, this group called the Fireflies, which is a resistance group against the totalitarian regime that is, you know, this this community they're in. Um, and I think they do again a really good job of making us or giving us the information we need. To, to feel what it's like living here, right? Yeah. And they do it with this opening scene, okay? Right after we flash forward 20 years. There's this boy, he's walking through the forest, he arrives in Boston. There's a soldier that kind of processes him in and promises him toys and food and safety and all this kind of thing. They scan him with this device and you see that it turns red, but you don't know what that means. <laughs> it's not good, I can tell you that. Yeah, cut to Joel and a team of people Throwing bodies into a fire, including the body of this boy with a hood over his head into the fire. And then the the woman that Joel's working with can't do it. She doesn't want to do it. And he just sort of picks him up, throws him in like it's nothing. So just like he picked up his daughter who couldn't walk and he was carrying her in the opening scene and she got shot and killed uh, while he was carrying her in that exact same position. And this time he just dumps the body yeah. without any second thought or regard. And it just gives you a chill yeah. of how he must have changed in the intervening 20 years. But you see what I mean? Like it, it tells you things about him. It tells you things about the woman he's working with, which by extension tells you things about the whole community, right? Cause she doesn't want to pick up the body. She'll, yeah. she'll throw adult bodies in, but not the child. It tells you things about this Fedra community they're in, the way they are all nice to him before they, he's obviously just murdered at some point and put in the back of a truck. Um, you learn a lot from this one scene and it's yeah. so, so, so well done. And so like the show is firing on all cylinders so far, I would say. And then 
we're introduced to Anna Torv. Yeah, and then Tess. fucking instant. I didn't know she was in this, and I'm like, okay, I'm in, I'm into this. I like this. Uh-huh. This is good. And it's like fucking Anna Torv. I'm like, uh, you know, I, I'm in. Fringe. I'm like all in. There's no, uh, there's no ands, ifs, ors, or buts about it. And Mindhunter, uh, two things that I really enjoyed her in. So, uh, yeah, I'm, you know, there's no going back now. No. I have to, it's like. You know, you got Pedro Pascal, you've got the, uh, you know, Bella Ramsey who, uh, was in uh, Game of Thrones. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, you got Anna Torv. How, we, how, how do you, how do you, how do you not watch this show? We haven't even been introduced to Bella Ramsey yet, but not Anna, yet. Anna Torv, I know from Fringe. I didn't know she was in it either, to be honest. I'm like, holy crap, that's great. I love her. And she's even better in this, I think, than in Fringe. Fringe was kind of a fun show, but, uh, there was some heaviness to it but it was still a cop show kind of you know well, riding on the, the coattails of x-files a little bit right kind of riding it was very x-files ask yeah but did you watch the whole thing yeah i did okay so you know about the alternate reality the flipping uh yeah the I alternate mean, stuff it's a little foggy now it's been a few years but uh i i liked her i liked the old guy from that show go watch fringe again it's worth it's worth Is a it? second i've watched it a couple of times uh so yeah go back and uh you know, if, if you can, if you can do it, uh, you know, rewatch Fringe, it's worth it. All right. Fair. Anna Torv, no matter what, great. She's amazing in this. And then, as you said, we're introduced to Bella Ramsey and she is this girl, uh, similar age to Joel's daughter. And he and Tess get wrapped up in this mission to smuggle her out of the community and, uh, you know, do whatever they got to do to, to make that happen. And that's essentially sort of how the episode plays out. We learn a little bit more about the Fireflies. Um, Joel's Joel and Tess's original mission is because Tommy, the brother, is gone missing and they're trying to figure out where he is, but they get wrapped up in this other mission to smuggle her out and yep. hope they can kind of combine the two. So, man, it was good. It was good. So, uh, well, a couple of things. One about the the mission. So, yeah, they're going to get uh, Joel's brother. Yeah. Right? They wanted to get his brother. But uh, smuggling out Ellie uh, becomes the stepping stone to that because Correct. the battery they needed to, for the truck was a piece of shit and yeah. was, they were being scammed. So the only way that they're going to get to be able to do what Joel wants is to do what, uh, the fireflies want right. is to smuggle Ellie out of, uh, uh, out of the, uh, out of Boston. Yep. And, uh, and she did an amazing job. Uh, Bella, mm-hmm. uh, playing that character. One, one of the things I really liked is that she's, uh, you know, she was the age of, uh, Joel's daughter back in 2003 and it's 20 years later, which means that she was born after the virus started. Correct. Right. And she is half feral. Like she is, uh, she's just, uh, does not hesitate in order to attack. And she's very, uh, aggressive in her, uh, the way she attacks. She's like a, a friggin' feral cat. Like she will, like you come near her and she, if she has a knife, she's going to stab you. Yeah. And she does. Right. right? When that soldier she, <laughs> confronts yeah. them on the way out, she just turns and stabs them in the leg. Uh, but she's also, uh, she's also pretty naive, right? She hasn't experienced the worst of this world yet, I don't think. And she's very smart. She figured out the, uh, like the, f- the five seconds after she walked in, walks into Joel's apartment, she's figured out the, the, uh, the code for the music on the radio. Yeah. Right. So she's not an idiot. 
Nope. She may be naive, but uh, she's got some smarts and she is mean as a feral cat. Yeah. So, yeah, I thought she did a, I thought uh, Bella Ramsey did a fantastic job with this, uh, with this Ellie character. D- did a great job. Absolutely. Um, and, and even the way, you know, all we really know about her is that the leader of the Fireflies placed her into like a military academy school when she was little, knowing that there was something about her and wanted to put her somewhere where she would be, you know, trained, educated, occupied and safe basically. Right. And then now they have kind of kidnapped her back out of that to get her out of there. But like even that little bit of information, I think is all we need to know about where she's been for 12, the first 12 or 14 years, right. Of her, of her life. Um, which I thought was, was very, very cool. So like such a good job of, of placing everything here and, and giving us the information we need to kind of understand this world a little bit in one episode too. Yeah, no, they, they put this together. Uh, they gave us the, you know, enough backstory of all the characters like, uh, Tess, we don't really have any information on her backstory, but it's Anna Torv, so who gives a shit? And it'll come. You know, she's, it'll come. Yeah. But, uh, you know, the world, you know, the, the nature of this city, uh, makes perfect sense and is, uh, reminiscent of other video games. Like it's, uh, what was it? City 23. What was it? Oh, I'm losing my friggin' street cred here from, uh, uh, what's the name of that? <laughs> I don't know. What are you talking about? I'm talking about the, the, the video game with the guy that didn't talk, Norma Freeman, who had a, a crowbar. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> oh my God. I can't pull it up to my brain. Okay. Half-Life. Half-Life. Uh, so, there you go. yeah. So the Half-Life, uh, what was it? City 43 or whatever it was. Like he was in, uh, in a similar kind of situation where it was aliens, but not just a military dictatorship, but it was actual aliens that were, uh, locking them down. But what have you, it, you get the, you know, we have that shorthand for the nature of this city. And it also reminded me of, uh, you know, I've been playing Rust every now and again. Uh-huh. Uh, there is a bandit camp and a, um, uh, you know, a safe zone that you can go to that is very reminiscent of this. Right. Where you can go there and there are guards and stuff and lots of cameras and, um, you know, just the, and the set design I thought was really well done in this city as well. Like you saw the, the telephone poles with like so many goddamn wires all, everywhere mm-hmm. and the place is all run down and dirty and every wall has old posters on it or, uh, you know, posters that have been ripped down and there's cameras everywhere and there's, uh, you know, speakers everywhere to remind people that they should keep moving along and mm-hmm. don't go outside because, uh, we want to, we will shoot you because you're either infected or, uh, an insurrectionist. If you are out past 6 PM, yep. it is a hard curfew. So, uh, you know, just even that, uh, the set design of that city tells you a lot of what's going on in the world. I think in Half-Life it was City 17. That's it. Yeah, City 17. Uh, but but you're right. And then as well, you know, we learn about the the credits. You know, Joel's uh he's he's getting paid a certain amount for like body duty or like friggin' sewer cleaning duty the next time because it pays sewer more. Maintenance, yeah. Sewer maintenance, yeah. Uh he's trading credits and cigarettes for um for the battery and for information with that one soldier. And then we learn, you know, he goes to visit that guy who's the radio operator and, uh, you, you learn that that is extremely highly controlled 
You know, he's the only person that operates the radio. There's a massive lineup of people outside to go and talk to him and probably either send a message or receive a message, basically. I mean, just all these little things give you a really good feeling for what this place is all about and I guess what it would be like to live there. So, so let's talk about the sewer maintenance for a second. So <laughs> okay, sure. I'm sure it's so, stinky and gross. So he's looking for this job, right? Like, well, you know, what pays more uh, and sewer maintenance pays a lot. So he said, okay, come back at 4 PM. You're on night shift. Uh, so think about it this way. Uh, you go in at night shift for sewer maintenance uh-huh. and there is a citywide mandatory uh, curfew for 6 p.m. Yeah. What time do you think everybody's going to take a dump? <laughs> right around the time that he's in the middle of goddamn sewer maintenance. I guess so. so they it's all... not only bad, it's like, you know, everybody uh, flushing the toilet at the same time during the Super Bowl, <laughs> oh, right? It's really, really bad place to be is in the sewer system at the time that everybody has to be home. That's why it pays so well. <laughs> yeah. You know? You can't, not just just anybody wants to do that job. You got to pay well. So it makes you wonder what sewer maintenance is. Are you actually maintaining the sewers or are you, uh, do you have yourself a nice shovel that you're making sure the shit flows downhill during that time? Because, uh, there's so much backlog that you need to, uh, make sure that, uh, the sewage treatment plant gets, uh, its proper quota. Backlog. That is uh, a <laughs> high quality comedy right there, <laughs> I think. <laughs> so that all kind of rolled in this, you know, I kept that rattled around in my head. I'm like, sewer maintenance, that sounds gross. And then I, then I saw 6 p.m. curfew. I'm like, ah, sewer maintenance during that time is bad. That's got to be bad. That's got to be, be bad. bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, he took it because it paid well. Yeah, better. Uh, yes. Okay, so... The final thing is that at the end of this episode, after they kill the soldier and are escaping, they have one of those scanning devices. Mm -hmm. Ellie is scanned and she comes back red, which means... That was telegraphed, right? I I know, I know. There's something about... we, We knew there was something about her, but what we learn and, you know, they could have... Well, I, I should say what we learn is that she's infected, but she is not, uh turning into a fungus monster. No. <laughs> there, w- there will be a name for these things at some point, but for now I like fungus monster and it's been weeks. So mushroom zombie, mushroom zombie. Okay. <laughs> so she is, she appears to be immune to this and that's what makes her special. And that's why they're getting her out of there and have to keep her alive. So why would the resistance have to do that? If she's immune, don't you think that the powers that be would have a vested interest in, uh, ha- uh, you know, taking care of her and understanding what, uh, what's going on? Well, I think, I mean, I think the resistance by nature of being a resistance has no faith or trust in the, in the powers, right? So I think they feel that having an immune girl is an advantage to them. They can use that against the overbearing powers. Okay. So it's sort of like the, uh, oh my God. Okay. You know, there's this television show called The Walking Dead uh-huh. uh, and there are, there are characters in this show. Yeah. And uh, one of the, uh, the leaders of the uh, Commonwealth was, uh, her name was Pamela. Pamela. Yes. Okay. It's all coming back to me. Okay. All right. So, you know, similar to how Pamela was using the zombie outbreak to control the masses, 
the powers that be in uh, this in Boston here don't give a shit that there's a pandemic, uh, you know, mushroom zombies out there because the mushroom zombies are exactly what they need in order to control the population so that they can maintain power and their whatever opulence that they may or may not have. Well, I mean, that could be some of it, I think, but, uh, you know, it seems pretty dangerous out there. These mushroom zombies are pretty dangerous from what we've seen of them. They're fast and they're scary and they come at you. Uh, so I can see how it would be in the power's interest to, you know, put it, put an end to that. Uh, Unless like you say, they're using it to keep their power, which that's a pretty common thing with these kinds of regimes. If they feel like it's under control, there's no reason they would want to change it. Right. Because it gives them what they, what they want, which is power and control, uh, control and whatever. Like we don't know what the, uh, uh, we've, we've never see any kind of powers that be like the upper echelons of the city. All mm-hmm. we see is guards and low level, uh, you know, the people that are trying to struggle to survive. Right. Uh, yeah. And so I think the resistance, the fireflies are like, we've got this immune girl, even if we don't know exactly what this means or what we're going to do with it yet, this has to be an advantage. So, yeah. um, so that's it, but that's the big reveal at the end of this episode. And I was going to say a couple of minutes ago that that's the kind of thing that they could drag out for a whole season, right? That could be the reveal at the end of the season, but no, they went with it right here at the beginning. Well, the end of the first episode and they're going to use it in this season, which I think is awesome. It was set up rather nicely too, because that, uh, that kid that uh, showed up at the beginning, they scanned him and we saw the scanner turn red. Right? right. And then we know that he was immediately euthanized. Yep. To put it nicely. Yep. Uh, so, you know, having that scanner show up again at the end and having it turn red again, we know exactly what that means. Yep. So it was, uh, it was properly set up. Very, very well done. So, yeah, I think that a lot of different television shows and movies could take a lesson from this on how to uh, set up characters uh, and uh, setting. And there's, there's a lot going for this show. A lot going. Yeah. Well, congratulations, HBO. It's a fantastic show so far. Now, I know, everyone, there's two more episodes that you've all seen already, and we are going to watch them. Uh, We're not going to cover The Last of Us, you know, episode by episode on here, but I could see us talking about it again (laughs) at some point, especially after, you know, as the first season maybe gets towards its conclusion. We'll have to see. Um, But... uh, Really, really good so far, and I'm excited to watch more. I have heard, like, episode three just came out last night, Sunday, as we record this. Yep. And everybody is just freaking out about how good it was. So I have heard that episode three is just amazing. So I look forward to seeing that. As do I. Yeah. Can we talk about the zombies for a second? Sure. So... Uh, you know, we've had virus zombies. We've had, uh, you know, unexplained zombies, but now we got mushroom zombies. Uh, so Uh these, this is a fungus that's Mm -hmm. among us inside our, inside their brains is, and the, the fungus is, uh, they set it up in that first, uh, 1963 or whenever that was a talk show that the, uh, uh, the fungus, uh, takes over the structure of the, uh, of the animal, right? They replaces Mm -hmm. pieces of the brain, prevents decomposition, Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, basically, uh, takes over the consciousness. So we have these, uh, semi-conscious, uh, fungus things, and all they want to do is feed. Right. And they can, uh, they can, or, and 
cons- and breed essentially. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, when they attack, they have all these little tendrils that come out of the uh, the mouth mm-hmm. in order to uh, implant more fungus spores or whatever the fuck they do into other people. So that's how they're getting infected. Yep. Uh, and then we saw when they went into the uh, into the the uh, the subway and they went into that maintenance room in the subway, there was that frigging fungus creature that was, uh, done as yeah. according to Joel, it was like, okay, he's done right. or whatever they referred to it as. And it's just like, so is that the end state of the fungus is that they just kind of grow beyond, uh, the body and then just kind of spread out. Well, yeah, my, my take on that was that, it was sort of just that it was kind of done where it had taken over the entire body and there was no more body to take over. And so at that point, the, the human is gone and the fungus has nowhere to go. And I think what was happening there is that, that dude had isolated himself down in that room until that happened. And then, uh, and then the fungus had nowhere to go. So it kind of just spread beyond his body and then maybe died. I don't know, but like, that's sort of what, the ultimate state is if the fungus can't spread to another living being. Yeah. I, I thought that was really cool. Yeah. I thought it was, that was really cool. I'd worry about spores at that point. Just floating uh, around in the air. Just yeah. floating around in the air because that's how they, you know, get to other places and then people breathe in the spores and then the spores go, oh, fresh humans. Yeah. I'm going to, this is a nice warm place. It's dark. It's got lots of moisture. I got some avioli to munch on. <laughs> that's exactly what I, I think need. I'm going to grow here for yeah. a while. Yeah. Yeah. Which, so I'd stop breathing at that point. I'd be like, hold your breath. Yeah, which which makes me think like it 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 would in reality be very easy for this thing to spread around. You know what I mean? You just have to yeah. come within a decent radius of a person that's breathing it out and you're probably got it. So very scary. Yeah. So I thought that uh, that guy in the subway was really cool and a really good uh, illustration of, uh, you know, what these... Uh, what these creatures will become if left to their own devices. Yeah. Well, you're going to get lots more of what these creatures can become. I think there's, uh, well, there's different varieties. If I know video games at all, then, uh, we have, you know, mini bosses and, uh, different varieties of, uh, things. Yeah. Right. It's not just one, uh, you know, one zombie to rule them all kind of thing that we get in the walking dead. Yeah, don't. Well, it, no, although we have variants now, right? We have variants now. It took eleven years, but uh, no, keep watching. There, uh, you what you know about video games is very accurate. <laughs> I I am so I'm way on board with this. After this podcast is over, I probably will watch another episode. Awesome. Like, well I'm I'm in. I'm 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 all in with this. This is great. Very cool. All right. Uh, just before we wrap it up, uh, is there any point in? comparing this pilot to the walking dead pilot do you have any thoughts on sort of the the similarities or the differences between the two i mean there's the obvious things like how they depict different time frames of the apocalypse right with this show we get 30 minutes of the very early initial outbreak and all the chaos and stuff like that with the walking dead we skip over a lot of that because rick wakes up in the hospital eight weeks in or six weeks in or whatever it is. Right. And we don't see all of this sorts of things. So my immediate thought was that, you know, a lot happens in both of these shows, the pilot for the walking dead and the pilot for the last of us, but they sort of show different things. And walking dead is a little, um, it's a little quieter 
Like it, it felt like it took a little more time because Rick wakes up. He's alone. He makes his way through the town alone. He eventually meets up with Morgan and Dwayne, but it's just one other character. And like, he doesn't know what's going on and it's not super chaotic. And then he makes his way into Atlanta on a horse. I rewatched the pilot, by the way, after I watched right. this. Uh, and he ends up in that tank. All hope is lost until he hears Glenn's voice on the radio. That's the end of the pilot of The Walking Dead. We aren't really introduced to very many other characters yet. We get a we get a short scene with Shane and Laurie and Dale and all of them, you know, at their camp. But we don't have a, we don't get a lot with them. It's mostly with Rick and Morgan and just Rick moving through trying to figure out what's going on. Last of Us, way different. Chaotic, fast, yeah. scary, jump forward 20 years. You know, there's a whole society already set up. None of that in The Walking Dead. So pretty different in my opinion. Uh, both amazing. Because when I did rewatch The Walking Dead pilot, I sat there going, my God, this really actually is that good. Because <laughs> it, it had been a while. Yeah. So uh, to answer your question, yes, I think we should do a contrast and compare with the pilot of uh, of The Walking Dead. All right. And you've done an admirable job of doing exactly that. You <laughs> okay. get all the points that I was thinking of. Uh, so absolutely. Yeah, this one, uh, this show kind of shows that initial chaos, but does a huge time jump. Yeah. Right? Uh, whereas The Walking Dead does an initial six-week time jump, and then we stay with the characters for a long time, and then they do a little bit of a time jump later. This does like a 20-year fucking thing, right? It's, yeah. That's huge. Yeah. That's a big time leap. So uh, there is a, a big difference there, and the amount of action at the beginning of The Walking Dead, and I guess that's the difference between adapting a comic and adapting a video game. With a video game, you have to have uh, a, an opening action scene. Or right. a video game, which I assume is like this, a horror mm -hmm. action adventure kind of game. Uh, it's very on rails as well, I assume, that, uh, you know, it's it's like um, it's like Half-Life, where you go from point A to point B, and you have to, you know, have to, uh, you know, your path is set, but you have to survive getting from point A to point B. Pretty but much. it's not an open world sandbox. No, it's not. It's not. Yeah. So I assume that the video game, from what I saw of the, uh, what I've gleaned from the video game is basically on rails, action adventure, horror kind of game. Mm -hmm. uh, so, which is fine because those, I like those kind of games. I've played a lot of them. Uh, Doom, for example, is exactly that. So this is, this video game is a Doom clone as far as I'm concerned. First person. <laughs> uh, anyway. Uh, so there is a lot of difference there. Uh, but I think that, uh, you know, in the opening first 40 minutes, I thought that this show was kind of hard on little kids as well, right? Like the first thing they do <laughs> right. is shoot a little girl. Yep. Then the next thing they do is uh, murder or euthanize a little boy mm -hmm. and throw him into a fire. I'm like, Jesus H. Christ. What and then we have another, this? the third yeah. kid we have, the of the only three that we see in the entire show, the third one's chained to the goddamn radiator. <laughs> That's right. right? <laughs> so... Uh, that's pretty harsh. Yeah. That's pretty harsh on kids. I didn't even think of that, but you're right. These two shows have that in common. Harsh on the kids. Yeah. <laughs> so hopefully, well, we have the kids, uh, we have, uh, we have her as a main character. So hopefully she will survive a little bit longer. Yeah. Uh, than other kids in The Walking Dead or the other kids in the show have survived. So like, we didn't even see any of, uh, 
uh, of Sarah's classmates. Like she went to school and then got off the bus. Yeah, we, right? we actually don't ever see her at school. She sort of goes to school, or do we? Yeah. Maybe maybe for a second, but not much. Know. Yeah, uh, and then gets off the bus at the watch store. Yeah, and then hangs out with old people. Right. right? Which was creepy when that old lady was sitting in the wheelchair oh, yeah. with her back to it. I'm like, oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. And then the dog's like yeah, uh, freaking out or just kind of whining and looking at the the lady in the wheelchair as she leaves. Yeah. And I'm thinking, you know, if I was in that situation and we have a little old lady who is on her last legs having to be, you know, fed uh, biscuits poked into her lips so that she would eat them. Like this, this lady is like pretty on death's door as far as I'm concerned. Like she's yeah, right there. Yeah, yeah. And then all of a sudden I'm leaving and the dog's kind of looking at the, at the old lady who's not moving in the wheelchair and starts whining. My brain is thinking that lady's dead. Like, mm-hmm. like just without the, take all the, the, the zombie apocalypse kind of thing out the window. Uh, if that was real life and I was in that situation and that dog was doing that to that old, that old lady sitting in the wheelchair, my brain is going, that lady just died. Dogs then, always know. And what do I do? I do the exact same thing she did. I fucking leave. Like, I'm not dealing with that. I can find out what happened tomorrow. Borrow a DVD and head home. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I am out of here. That is their situation. I'm not going to get involved. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, it was creepy. I mean, having her out of focus behind Sarah, you know, moving her mouth around and stuff. It, it was very creepy. It was very creepy. And then she, then later she gets animated and got uh, yeah. comes out of the, like very animated, mm-hmm. uh, and is, comes stumbling out of the house. And then there was that guy, that one guy that were chasing them through the, uh, the restaurant, like he was uh, carrying his daughter yep. and that he was crashing into everything. Mm-hmm. It reminded me, uh, uh, of, uh, Jasper started soccer a couple of weeks ago. So indoor <laughs> soccer every Sunday. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, so we went to his, his soccer game yesterday uh, and there was one kid on the opposing team, man, he fell down a lot. Like every like 40 seconds, this kid was on the floor for whatever reason. I just, it was just, it was weird that he was just always flopping down on the floor. He was like right there with the ball. So I don't fault him at all, but, uh, he fell down a lot. And that, uh, that infected, uh, mushroom zombie guy reminded me of that kid from the soccer game. Like he's just going full blast all the time and he's just freaking falling down everywhere. It's just like, you know, pump the brakes a little bit, get a little bit of control and you'd probably do a lot better. Well, shit. Hopefully the kid isn't, uh, got a fungal infection of some kind that's affecting his balance. <laughs> no, he's fine. Yeah. I mean, that team won and he, I think that kid was, may, may have been the only one that scored a goal. Oh. So not that anybody tracks goals, but, uh. You know, the one goal I saw was probably that kid. So he was going all out. He left everything on the court because it was inside and it was on like an indoor soccer. Uh-huh. But uh, he left everything out, but he did fall down a lot. All right. Well, kids at indoor soccer and fungus zombies known for going all out. Yeah. There was, uh, there was no second guessing what he wanted. He just wanted, he's just going full blast. All right. That's wild. Uh, one last thing before we call it a night here, episode one of the last of us, uh, at sort of date and time ratings had 4.7 million viewers, which is maybe the biggest for an HBO show, uh, premiere episode two, which we haven't seen yet had 5.7. So a huge increase actually. And just as comparison, Episode one of season one of The Walking Dead had 5.34 million. So just a little more, actually, than The Last of Us. 
But episode two went down to 5.07. So The Last of Us is going up. The Walking Dead went down. But pretty similar numbers, nonetheless. That's cool. Yeah, I don't know. It doesn't mean anything, but if we're comparing them, we might as well. And these are all streaming numbers, right? They're like, uh, H- or does HBO still broadcast? Uh, yeah, that's a really good question. I watch it streaming, of course. Uh, I, I I don't know. I actually don't know if that 4.7 million on HBO is like a combination of their broadcast and their streaming, because they I think they still broadcast. I mean, not here. We're in Canada, so we only get the streaming, but yeah, I don't know. You get it on Crave, right? Yes. Yeah, me too. Yeah. All right. Uh, okay, man, there you go. Uh, the Last of Us was awesome. I'm really excited to watch more of it, and I'm going to be doing that, and who knows? Maybe we'll talk about it again as we get towards the end of the first season and see if it holds up. Super. All right. Before we wrap up here for the evening, Jason, I do want to thank a couple of people who have recently joined our Patreon at patreon.com slash Dead. That would be Doug S. and Jan E. Thank you to both of you for going to patreon.com slash Dead and pledging to support us. It really, really does mean a lot, you guys, and everybody else that does that as well. Um, thank you so much for that. Uh, like I said, you can do that at patreon.com slash Dead, and uh, that'll just help and ensure we keep going and Get us, get us through fear and into the, all the Walking Dead spinoffs as they come down the pipe this uh, year. So, with that in mind, though, what are we going to do between now and when fear does come back? Because that's not until May, so we've got some time to fill here, my friend. Well, we got a couple of things coming up, both recommended by listeners, in a way. If you recall, the last time we did a podcast, we talked about Dawn of the Dead, the Zack Snyder version. Yep. Well, a listener emailed in and said, hey, if you watch that, why don't you watch Dawn of the Dead, the 1978 George uh, George Romero version? Sure. And I think that's a great idea. So for next week on the podcast, we're going to watch that and chat about it right here, maybe as a little bit of a comparison. We, you know, if we were smarter, we would have done those back to back, but... Well, that's listeners. why we have yeah. listeners that uh, write in and tell us uh, things that, that things. we are too stupid to think of. Yeah, exactly. So makes yeah. sense. Next time on the podcast, 1978, Dawn of the Dead. We're going to talk about that. And then the week after that, we're going to do a twofer um, where we watch The Vanishing. Now, this is a movie, Jason, that you told me to watch over the Christmas break, and I didn't get around to it. Yep. Um but it turns out a listener wrote in and said, hey, if you're going to watch The Vanishing with Kiefer Sutherland, why don't you watch The Vanishing, the original, um, is it a Dutch? I think it's a Dutch movie that's hailed as a masterpiece. And sure. I think that's a great idea. So we're going to watch both versions of The Vanishing. And well, If I have to learn Dutch in order to watch it, I'll do it. Oh, perfect. I got man. two weeks. How hard could it be to learn Dutch? It can't be that hard at all. You got plenty no. of time. Yeah. Yeah. So we will watch the, I think it's 1988, The Vanishing from the Netherlands. And what is it? 1993? Couldn't the, tell you. The American version is something like that. Uh, but we're going to watch both, do a little comparison of those two in a couple of weeks from now on the podcast. So if you happen to have access to those, watch them, follow along, send in some comments. It might be fun. Super. And then after that, we'll have to see, but we'll uh, make a decision as we move on. 
All right, so that's what's coming up on the podcast, and that is going to be it for tonight. So thank you, everyone, for tuning in. If you want to get in touch with us, visit TalkingDeadPodcast.com. Click on Send Voicemail at the top. You can record a message that will get sent right to us, or send your email to TalkingDeadPodcast at gmail.com. And don't forget, if you want to hear more from us in the meantime, go over to Can'tSellThisPodcast.com to hear our interview on that show. As we said, it was a fun time, and I think you should listen. So there you go. That's going to do it. Don't be fungible. You are not refungible. You're not refungible. You're not fungible. Whoever you are, you're loved and you're not replaceable. Well, that's a nice sentiment to end on. So until next time, everyone, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. 